Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Rights Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining me today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Katherine Kinsey. Welcome, Katherine. Thank you. Well, uh, it's time to spike the football. Brett Kavanaugh <laughs> is seated on the U.S. Supreme Court. How does that feel? Finally. <laughs> so that was a black hole of three weeks uh, of many people's lives. Uh, I don't know about yours, right. but it was an awful three weeks. Um, we weren't sure how it was going to end. Uh, last podcast episode we did, but uh, thankfully he just squeaked through. Um, and it seemed like uh, Susan Collins, who everyone was kind of wondering what she was going to do, mm-hmm. kind of delivered the speech that everyone really needed to hear there at the end. Yeah, I mean, it was a long time of just who knows what's going to happen, what more are they going to dig up, and how are they going to just keep delaying it, but finally worked out. <laughs> it did. Uh, and so, as you know, it's interesting, you, you worry about is something else going to come out, but as so often in these kind of political scandals, uh, once the person is either, you know, booted out of office or gets past it, it's like nothing else happens. You right. know, you kind of, you kind of question how real it is when no one seems to do anything after these accusations are first made. Exactly. Um, so, but we shouldn't say it's, uh, the end of it because some Democrats have been, on the national level, have been campaigning on the fact that they could, uh, they're going to impeach Kavanaugh <laughs> yeah. uh, if they get elected. Which, um, you know, it, I mean, what would that look like? I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, especially since there's not there's not enough evidence to even really do anything with it in a criminal sense. I'm not sure how you could have uh, technically a a impeachment is like indicting someone and then there's a trial in the U.S. Senate. So, yeah. Well, uh, however the election might go, uh, you know, the real question is, so what's the Supreme Court going to do now that for the first time since uh, the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration, there's a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. And so... What was really encouraging for us, uh, I was at an event uh, a couple of weeks ago where one of the speakers happened to be a uh, friend of Brett Kavanaugh who worked with him in the Bush White House um, for almost 20 years now. And when a person asked him, um, so now that Kavanaugh's on the court, what sort of changes could we expect? The only topic he mentioned was the topic of abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... He didn't say he he. This guy speculated that uh, you know Roe versus Wade would not be overturned uh, immediately, but what she would see is big chunks being taken out of it every time a new uh, pro-life law reaches the Supreme Court. So, personally, I'd like to see Roe versus Wade gone yeah. right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, after fifty, you know, after forty-five years of Roe versus Wade after 50 years of being involved in the pro-life movement, uh, significant forward progress is better than the yeah, alternative, absolutely. which I, I think we can't forget. If Hillary Clinton would have won and filled Antonin Scalia's seat with a pro-abortion justice, and then you had Anthony Kennedy retiring, that would have been um, a 6-3 uh, extremely uh, progressive 
majority and what that would look like is Roe versus Wade being overturned is not going far enough. Yeah. In fact, somehow finding the Constitution requires you to tax, uh, to pay for abortion, so your tax funding. Or this Constitution somehow says that informed consent laws or regulating abortion clinics is somehow, mm -hmm. you know, like there's going to be no end to no it. End. And so I don't think people realize just how bad it could have gotten. Yes. All right, are we done talking about Kavanaugh for <laughs> a little while maybe? A little bit, yeah. Just a few, <laughs> maybe a few weeks. Um, <laughs> so uh, you wrote a really interesting blog post uh, this week. And, of course, you can find our blog off of our website, www.rtl.org. And we put the blog post on our uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. But the title of the blog post was, It's Raining Fetuses. Yeah, <laughs> not, not the most encouraging title. Uh, but it was inspired, basically, by a case just last Friday that came out about a funeral home in Detroit, which had actually been closed last April because of state regulation violations. But then just recently, uh, well, the building was had new owners, but th the um, police department basically got an anonymous tip and they went to go investigate it and they found 11 bodies of babies stored in the ceiling. And I think was it uh, most of them were actually was they were uh, they were unborn children, right? And so, um, yeah, that got that got news headlines. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting. There's almost a mirror there between that and abortion clinics. You know, you, you look and see that this Cantwell funeral home had so many violations over the years. Um, it kind of makes you wonder. You know, how many violations can you get away with before? someone steps in and says no. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's kind of what I compared it to with even the, the Gosnell case. He had so many violations. He, he killed someone in a botched abortion. And even after that, no one investigated. It wasn't until like illegal drug use problems came up. And that's ultimately what ended up starting the whole investigation process with that case. So... I'm going to go out on a limb here, I think, <laughs> but if there was an abortion clinic that had uh, the bodies of uh, aborted babies stashed all over, um, they probably wouldn't generate very many probably headlines. Not, not no. nearly as much as this funeral home, um, because it obviously doesn't deal with a political issue, and so mm -hmm. I think as people feel more comfortable looking down at this Cantwell guy for, for running yeah. this place. As somehow it's not as controversial because... It's just, I don't know, not an abortion clinic? That's, that's weird to me, but... Yeah, and um, so the, the title of the post, It's Raining Fetuses, comes from a quote from one of Gosnell's workers who, if you've ever... So the movie's out, which I think we right. should really, you know, encourage people to go see. Um, it's playing all over the state, you know. It'll be tougher to find in northern Michigan. You might have to drive. It's playing in Traverse City, I think? I think so. I think so. I think so. Um, but it'll eventually be out on DVD and all that. Um, but really the movie is just basically one of our staff people saw it and described it as a long episode of Law and Order. Yeah. Uh, just detailing what it took to finally bring him to justice. Mm -hmm. And the real shock of the movie, you know, they don't, they don't really show any aborted babies. They kind of very strategically 
um, very strategically dance around it. So, but that still giving the effect is there. It's kind of hard to describe unless you see it. But they did a really good job keeping it PG thirteen. Right. Um, so if you have a weak stomach, don't worry about seeing it. You really need to see it. And I completely lost my train of thought on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, just it's important. It's an important, you know, topic. It's important to get the case out there the message out of that case and and with these other cases too it's a hard topic and people don't necessarily look at it they they don't want to look at it all the time yeah and to get me back on my train of thought <laughs> the 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 quote the 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 worker said it's said what it was, it was raining fetuses right. fetuses and blood everywhere talking about the conditions in Gosnell's uh, clinic where he was essentially he committed hundreds of infanticides he's only convicted for a few because mm -hmm. of uh, the evidence they were able to gather. Um, but it, it's extremely unpleasant. You know, if you re ever read the grand jury report from the Gosnell Clinic and you think, you know, the movie kind of has some very uh, crazy things in it, but it only just touches on just the depth of depravity that was going on there. Right. And I mean, to the, your blog post kind of tied it all together, you know, it's, you know, people... You know, the, the disrespect of human life is obvious, but uh, that we see based on the situation and the people aren't paying enough attention, the media, you know, ignored right. the Gosnell trial. And overall, um, the real issue is this is the culture of death in real time. You know, when we disrespect the value of human life uh, in the womb, at the end of life, if you're disabled, uh, this is where it takes us. Right. What can you expect? Right. Well, um, I encourage you to read the blog post. Um, you know, we'll follow that Detroit uh, funeral home story. You know, it, where did the, those babies come from? Were they stillborn? Yeah. It seemed to be he would, he's had issues in the past with stillborn babies, so maybe it was something like that. Maybe something more sinister, we don't know. It's very similar to the Rathburn case, which you also touched on, mm -hmm. where... You know, we're still trying to find out where those uh, the bodies came from in that body broker chop shop, which that's a whole other topic of right. disrespect of, of human life. Um, but, uh, you know, we may never know in that case. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, talk about disrespect for human life. So uh, October is National Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Right. And, um, you know... I think from a certain standpoint, you know, we want to be aware of it because obviously Down syndrome um, is a serious disorder. It's difficult for the person. It's difficult for caregivers, but it takes on a whole new meaning and importance when we look at the issue of abortion when it comes to Down syndrome. Right, which, I mean, the statistics, I mean, they're scary in my opinion for how many people with Down syndrome are targeted for abortion, I think it's, I mean, there's a range, but the average is 67% of people who are diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb are aborted. So for every person you see with Down syndrome, there were two more that never got a chance to experience life. Um, and when you look at some countries, uh, particularly in Europe, uh, Denmark and Iceland, they seemingly are proud of going out of their way of uh, exterminating Down syndrome, not right. through some sort of miraculous um, 
genetic cure because, of course, Down syndrome involves an extra uh, chromosome, um, as <laughs> I'll tell get to that one in a minute. Um, <laughs> funny story. But, um, you know, but by exterminating them in the womb, by saying that they right. are life unworthy of life and um, encouraging parents, or in some case shaming parents, into having abortions. Yeah, basically, I think there's almost on a 100% abortion rate in those countries for Down syndrome babies. Basically, it's, it's terrifying. Um, so there's a couple different issues that we can unpack here that are important about. You know, first of all, the kind of funny story. Um, so there's, there's really funny um, uh, person who has Down, Down syndrome. Uh, you know, sometimes they call Down syndrome it's the extra chromosome. It's the love chromosome. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. You know, when you get involved in the pro-life movement, you think you're going to be talking about abortion at the abortion clinics, but you, you learn a lot about all these other issues, you know. Unfortunately, people's views on abortion when it comes to uh, diseases like Down syndrome and others, which we'll get to in a second, um, people tend to be more supportive of abortion in those cases because uh, they perceive the value of life of that child as less. Right. Um, so, you know, you and some of these cases get brought on arguments, so I've learned about so many rare diseases and conditions and I've really come to appreciate uh, you know people who have them and mm -hmm. uh, the caregivers who of course right. uh, have to struggle in some cases but um, in a lot of cases they'll say how much uh, more their life has become because of the ability yeah. that they had to do that and we have a really interesting story on our website I don't know if you've read have you read Silas's story I don't think so. We were talking about that with uh, Beth Ann, our intern, but um, so this parent had been advised to uh, abort his child. The doctor said, get, you know, get rid of your child. Yeah. It's not worth it. Um, and the story on our website, Silas's uh, story, is the parent writing a letter to the doctor who, um, I don't think he ever sent it, but just as kind of a example of from when Silas graduated high school, like yeah. recounting the last 18 years and explaining, you know, all, all the worth that his life has and compare that to the picture that the doctor painted, um, right. you know, in the clinic. And uh, it's a really powerful story, so I yeah. encourage people to find it. Um, again, on our website, rtl.org. So people's views on uh, abortion disability are, are very difficult, but... Uh, there's something really encouraging we found in a recent poll that uh, you know, I think we've touched on in the podcast before, but uh, Gallup asked people in specific cases, do you think abortion should be legal in the first trimester for this case? And do you think abortion should be legal in the third trimester for this case? And one of them they actually asked was if the baby's diagnosed with Down syndrome. Right. And um, you know, usually those uh, diagnoses happen later in the pregnancy, but in the first trimester, 49% uh, of Americans said that abortion should be legal uh, for children diagnosed with Down syndrome. Ergo, 51%, a majority of Americans believe it should be legal to take the life of a child simply because they're diagnosed with Down syndrome. And given the way that abortion disabilities and those poll percentages and opinions have kind of been typically talked of, that was surprising to me, and it's encouraging. Right, yeah. So, like, it's a small majority, but it is a majority that say they should not be aborted for only that reason. So, 
I think um, disability is, uh, you know, the, like we were talking about, one of these issues, the pro-life, you become uh, much more involved with. Um, and it's just sad how people think about it. Um, you know, you, you know, people understand that there are, you know, there's difficulties. Your, your life will not be as easy. And, of course, you know, mm -hmm. the caregivers, uh, more will be asked of them. But I think that's a really stunted way of looking at life. Um, right. That, you know, we live in the most privileged society. Yeah, egocentric. And, and, of the yeah of the of the, of the greatest time to be alive in human history um mm -hmm. you look at just statistics like basic stuff like poverty infant mortality right, um, right. health you know it's there's never been a better time ever mm -hmm. than to be alive and to have a, a a better quality life if you will um but something else i thought uh, you might want to talk about is you wrote an article for a um for Faith Magazine, which is uh, in the Diocese of Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. um, they're kind of like the Catholic uh, magazine there. And you wrote about, you know, why you're pro-life and how you came to be. And you kind of really addressed that fact of, you know, the value of human life, even and it's not in a necessarily privileged situation. Right, yeah. I mean, I spent um, a lot of time in doing mission trips in uh, actually Kingston, Jamaica, which um, most people don't think of Jamaica as such an impoverished area because of all the like tourism and resorts and stuff like that. But in Kingston, there is a lot of poverty. And so I spent um, several, well, I went about three summers, spent a week or so there just working with the poor there. And there are like shelters and there are also just lots of, disabilities like both mental and physical but I mean and I just thought of how you know our culture doesn't really appreciate the value of people with disabilities like they think maybe they sh they shouldn't get a chance of life maybe their life would just be too hard for them and it's almost better if they weren't allowed that chance to live but just was spending so much time with people in these exact situations. And not only that, but like they have nothing. They're like living in shelters and just getting by day by day. Like I, I could never believe that they were any less worthy of life. Just another example of, uh, of a culture of, of death, you know, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, we see life that, you know, in our minds, isn't the perfect life is somehow uh, less worthy. Um, and, you know, this issue goes just, you know, well beyond Down syndrome. Um, even in you look countries like Britain, uh, there are abortions uh, reported. The reason is the kid has a cleft palate yeah. or a club foot. Right. Like a club foot. Like Charles Woodson, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little football here. It's football season. You know, Charles Woodson, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, <laughs> take that, Peyton Manning. Long story. Um, NFL great. He had a club foot, you know, um, cleft palate. Uh, you think of, like, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, the actor. Um, yeah. You know, just because you have... And, and these are surgically easily correctable conditions. This is yes. not... And so you think, like, even a situation like that, where it's a, such a minor thing that you really shouldn't even 
uh, worry about it too much. And people are just... Some people just say, you know, I'm better off dead than having right. to have a surgery or, a, uh, you know, a brace to correct your club foot. <laughs> a club foot. I mean, that's just, it's unbelievable to me. I don't, yeah. I mean, spina bifida, um, a boatload of rare conditions, um, you know, and uh, it's sad reading about it. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a flyer about this topic called uh, targeted abortions because in this case you are targeting specific characteristics of people f- uh, to have abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this isn't just an issue about disabilities. Uh, you look at, ev- even in America, but especially in uh, countries overseas, um, women are targeted yeah. in the womb for abortion simply because of a characteristic, a, a culture that for whatever reason, let's take China, for example. Um, So China has their one-child policy that is kind of, they've made feints like it's going to be a little bit more lenient because even they realize, you know, the horrible damage that they've done uh, to their society. But, um, you know, and and those cultures that value having a, a firstborn male or a male to carry on the family name or whatnot, and you only get one child, and well, 50% of the time, you're not going right. to have a um, a male, and people are resorting to abortions there. Uh, India is another place that there's a significant issue um, with these sex selection abortions. And so, mm-hmm. you know, abortion, this whole culture of death, it's not just about, um, you know, convenience, but about... Uh, well, like I say, that is convenience, but I mean, it's being used as a tool of discrimination. Right. And in this case, hundreds of millions of people's lives have been lost because of it. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of devaluing life, just one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, we've seen a really uh, strange uptick in stories lately of pro-lifers being attacked in various situations. Um, we've mm-hmm. had uh, a couple in Canada, including one guy famously who, uh, the, I meant to kick your phone guy yeah, who, uh, yeah. uh, wound up and kicked a, a lady right in the shoulder. Um, yeah, not in her not phone. Not smart. <laughs> um, well actually, you know, if he had kicked her hand, it could have broken her hand. Yeah, and so I mean, obviously this guy wasn't thinking from the beginning, but, um, there's a case in Florida out, uh, there's been a couple of pro-life candidates who've been... Um, you know, attacked or abused lately, so, uh... And one, like, defended himself with a yard sign or something? Well, yeah, that was a little further back, but yeah, one of them... So, if you hate yard signs, don't hate (laughs) election season yard signs, because one guy successfully defended himself with a yard sign, and so a yard sign could save your life someday. So the next time a campaign knocks on your door and says, do you want a yard sign, say yes! (laughs) It could save your life. Right. (laughs) Well, just to encourage you to stay safe out there. Um, You know, we're in election season. Politics can get uh, a little heated at times, slightly. And so I just encourage you, um, you know, let let the issues um, be the one that inflame people. Don't don't be the one using um, words to do it. You know, Lord knows the issues that we uh, work on are enough to outrage people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have our radio ad um, called The War on the Unborn playing, which is basically called the also called the BB ad, which is just an illustration of the loss of life mm-hmm. uh, due to abortion is, uh, it's, you know, 
simply sticking to the facts is enough to uh, keep the political discussion going. So right. just encourage you to don't join the mob. <laughs> yes, stay, stay safe. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in two weeks. Have a wonderful weekend.